They just have the ability to hold two things at the same time. I want to go to the University of Oregon and play football. And I'm dying. When children have chronic or terminal illness, caregivers are called upon to provide a special level of care, communication, and help with decision-making. The Bridges Palliative Care Program at Dornbecker Children's Hospital provides what young patients and their families really need. It's Tuesday, May 21st, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Lisa Carter. Lisa, before we learn about the Bridges Palliative Care Program, is there any news we want to call out to the listeners? We do want to make sure everyone is aware that the employee survey closes this week, so this is your last opportunity to make sure your opinions about working at OHSU are heard through this survey. And I believe the deadline was extended slightly, is that correct? Yes. So the original deadline was Monday, May 20th. That has been extended until 6 a.m. Thursday, May 23rd. It really is an important thing to make time for, because OHSU can't change for the better if we don't actively voice what matters to us. Mm -hmm. Anything else to highlight? Most of our listeners are probably familiar with the Rose Awards, Mm -hmm. which recognize employees for their outstanding service. This month's ceremony takes place May 22nd. And you can read about the recipients and why they were nominated on OHSU Now. That's right. And I have to say, this is one of my favorite features that we post, because when I read these stories, it does remind me of why I'm proud to work at OHSU. I feel the same way, Lisa. And today's interview is another reason to feel proud of the amazing caregivers we have and the work they're doing. Our colleague Margaret McDonald recently spoke with Kathy Perko about working with young patients who are facing the end of life and what she has learned about being present for these kids and their families. I'm here with Kathy Perko, who is Program Director of the Bridges Palliative Care Program at Dornbecker Children's Hospital and a pediatric nurse practitioner, right? Right, yes, thank you. Kathy, you were recently inducted as a fellow in palliative care nursing by the Hospice and Palliative Nurses Association. Tell us about that honor. Last month at the annual assembly where um, physicians, nurses, social workers, and the interdisciplinary teams get together once a year for our annual conference, I was inducted as a fellow in hospice and palliative care nursing. Um, And really what that means is that I've shown over my career a commitment to education, clinical care, um, research, and advocacy for, um, for, in my case, children with chronic critical or terminal illnesses. So it was quite an honor. Um, I think probably the best thing for me in getting inducted this year was that out of the five inductees, three of them were pediatric nurse practitioners, which is a really um, great honor and also I think brings the field of pediatric palliative care forward. Can you define pediatric palliative care and tell us how did you get involved in it? So pediatric palliative care is an added layer of support for children and families. Um, That added layer of support focuses on pain and symptom management, whether it's for a chronic condition or active end-of-life care. It also focuses on helping families um, tell us their story, tell us what's important to them, what they value, and then us listening to that and helping them with decision-making along the way with their chronic or terminal or critically ill children. Um, It's also uh, supporting those families in the community um, if need be. And how did you get involved? So I um, started at Dornbecker almost 19 years ago, and I worked in pediatric oncology at the time. And within a few months of my working there, um, two sets of parents came back and talked to the nurse, and they shared with us that they thought we could have done a better job taking care of their children when they died. And we were really 
blessed at that time that we had a division chief and a department chair that also felt like that needed some unpacking. What could have we done differently for these families? And so our program started really in um, late 2000, um, focusing just on children with cancer and trying to support those families as they did go home on hospice with their kids, or if they stayed in the hospital, providing added support, um, help with decision-making, help figure out what's important to them and then how our care could match that, increasing our education and then our delivery of better pain and symptom management. When parents said that you could have done a better job, what type of things were they looking for specifically? For those parents, what they were looking for is both of their children had gone home on hospice and they got excellent physical care from uh, the hospice team. What they didn't get was the maintaining of the relationship with the people that mattered to them at Dornbecker, their nurses and their physicians. They felt, and this is their word, abandoned. And so our team actually at that time started um, by when a family went home on hospice, we assigned a staff member to check in with the family once a week and to check in with the hospice nurse once a week just to maintain that relationship. And from that grew the obvious need that the hospice nurses needed some help taking care of children because most community hospice people take care of adults. So from there they came back and the hospice nurses said, can you teach us more about taking care of children? And then from there the education part of our program grew um, and we sort of led us to where we were today. How is palliative care different for children compared to adults? Probably the biggest difference is that hospice for adults means that you have six months left of your life to live and someone attests to that. In pediatrics, there is still that attestation that that may need to be done to to receive some hospice and palliative care services. And the biggest difference is with the Affordable Care Act came something called concurrent care for children, which means that children can both receive hospice care at home and still come back to the hospital to see their primary cardiologist, to see their primary pulmonologist, to get radiation for a brain tumor, so they can come back to the hospital and receive concurrent care for their condition as well as supportive care at home. I think what this did was change everything, um, and it allowed parents to not have to make a decision when their child has a chronic or terminal illness to say, we don't want to go back to the hospital anymore because we, what we find is these relationships at the hospitals are so important to families. So this way we can support them in their community, whether it's Portland, Vancouver, Medford, um, Bend, um, and they can still come back to the hospital if they need to for uh, treatments or to check in with their primary uh, physician or nurse practitioner or team. What are the, some of the things that you and your team have learned about the children and the families you serve as this program has become established and grown over the years? I think we, have, we would say probably if you asked any of us, we've learned a thousand things. Um, I think what I have learned is about um, the resiliency of children. They sometimes need to know what's going on in their life and process it developmentally, which is where we really focus on the expanded team, our social worker, our child life specialists, to really help us Um, talk to children in a developmentally appropriate way. I think uh, kids want to live even as they are dying. Um, We have adolescents that will talk about where they're going to go to college when they're actively dying. And I think we need to remember as the Bridges team and as people caring for those kids and families, that's okay. That doesn't mean they are denying that they're dying. They're not in denial over that. They just have the ability to hold two things at the same time. I want to go to the University of Oregon and play football, and I'm dying. So I think we've learned to be present in the moment with whatever those kids and families need, 
and have it not be our agenda, which at times can be challenging. Um, before we go into a consult, we sort of remind ourselves to be open to what the family wants to tell us and to listen to their story and then respond from that place and not from our own place. I think one of my favorite things about kids is that, unlike us, we worry about our mortgages and our car payments, and, and kids want to go back to school, they want to play, they want to ride their trike. Um, and if you go on the units at Dornbecker, you can see kids that are receiving um, end-of-life care that um, are riding a trike. They are in the playroom painting. So their ability to live as they are dying is something I think that um, we could all be reminded of. Besides your local involvement, you speak nationally and internationally on pediatric palliative care. Is that right? It, it is, yes. What kind of things do you present on? What, what's your focus? I focus a lot on communication and communication skills um, and reminding people of things that I had to learn, sometimes the hard way, um, sometimes by the blessings that the parents will just tell you when you sort of made a faux pas. I think the things that I think about when I think about what I want to leave someone with when I'm talking about communication is when there's nothing to say, it's okay to say nothing. And that sometimes the most powerful communicating that we do is simply by showing up and being present. Sitting with a teenager, sitting with a parent, sitting with a grandparent, and recognizing there are no words that you can say that will make that better. So that's on one hand. On the other hand, we can't do our work by simply showing up and never talking. So also thinking about how can we word things? How can we be sensitive to things like culture, different um, beliefs, spirituality beliefs, recognizing the developmental differences and how children process death if they're three um, or five, remembering the siblings. Um, so I, I, I focus a lot on communication. I also talk quite a bit about um, moral distress and the the difficulty of being in a space that doesn't feel good. Um, when a family has a different goal than maybe we do as a hospital or as an individual person, and how to hold that um, and come to work and do your work, support those families, and then take care of yourself when you go home. Um, because we, we often say in nursing and probably throughout healthcare that um, we're in this for the long haul. Like you can be a really great person for three years and burn yourself out. And palliative care lends itself to that kind of um, burnout, I think, because of the high intensity of the work that we do. So reminding people how to take care of themselves on the other side. So looking at resiliency, looking at self-care, looking at ways, um, reminding yourself of why you went into this. Why, why are you at the bedside of a baby that was born 10 weeks early? What brought you to this work initially? So you can find that in yourself and remember, that's why I'm doing this. Um, so I think those two things are two areas that I focus on when I speak. What would you like people to know about working with children and their families in these difficult situations? That there is joy in the living and there is joy in the process um, and that it is um, an unnatural and sad and devastating thing that infants and children and young adults don't live a whole life. And that even knowing that, there often is some joy in those kids and it's finding that good space when you're working with families and kids that sort of keeps me going. So knowing it is wrong in every way in our society in every other way that a toddler should lose their life to an accident or to a cancer and then showing up for that family and witnessing it with them and really helping a parent and a family do something that's impossible. And I'm not saying that our team fixes that, 
I think our team shows up for that. And maybe we help make that journey the tiniest bit easier for those families. Well, thanks, Kathy, for joining us today. Thank you. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced by Margaret McDonald and edited by me. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Lisa Carter. See you next week.